0: hello and welcome back to the fantasy playmakers what's up guys for today's video i'm going to be going through my top 18 running back rankings i put out my last set of rankings a little over a month ago so i thought this was a good time to go back and revise them and now that we have some more clarity after free agency and the nfl draft i thought we'd bump it up from top 12 to top 18 just so we could talk about some more guys if you guys watch this video and find yourself enjoying the content, Just please make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe. That really helps support the channel and I would appreciate it a lot. And then also let me know your guys' thoughts down below in the comment sections. Let me know who should be higher, who should be lower, who you agree on, and then let me know your reasoning and I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as possible. But let's get into it. At number 18, this was actually one of the tougher decisions to make. I was choosing between J.K. Dobbins and Miles Sanders for that number 18 slot and I ended up going with J.K. Dobbins. I do think Miles Sanders is a decent RB2 option, but I just think there's a lot of concerns with his usage in this offense. I like the talent, but I'm concerned about his work in the receiving game as well as all the other running backs they've brought in. It's not even that these guys that they've brought in I think are that great. It's just that they feel the need to bring in competition for Miles Sanders is something I'm not a fan of. So right now I'm leaning J.K. Dobbins. And it's really just because of how efficient and effective he is on the ground in this Ravens offense. When he finally started to break out into this offense and turned into the RB1, he was getting between like 10 to 15 carries a game, which isn't a ton for a workhorse running back. But I mean, the man was just so incredibly efficient, over five yards a carry, was scoring a touchdown every single game. And so if he can keep that up, he's gonna finish close to an RB1, but that is definitely the concern with him. Is he going to be able to keep up that high touchdown efficiency when he's not getting you know, 20 carries a game? You still have Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards who are both going to be very involved in this running game. And he doesn't have a ton of security because he's just not involved in the receiving game. He is a solid pass catcher, but the Ravens and Lamar just really do not utilize checkdowns a ton in their offense. So J.K. Dobbins is a guy that's a solid RB2 but definitely comes with some red flags with that lack of receiving work and just really being reliant on high touchdown efficiency. Next up at number 17, I have Chris Carson, who I think is being a little bit disrespected this off season. I think he's been labeled as injury prone just cause he missed some games last year. But when you look at his track record for the past three years, he is not injury prone. He has missed some games, but that's just what's gonna happen when you're an NFL running back. It's one of the most physically demanding positions So injuries happen, but when Chris Carson is on the field and he's healthy, he is a solid locked-in RB2. And so I think he's likely to outperform this RB17 ranking if he does stay healthy. The Seahawks re-signed him, so you know they want him back as their workhorse. And they've also gone out and talked about how they wanna run the ball more in 2021, which is obviously great news for Chris Carson. And then in 2020, even though he played in less games than he did in 2018 and 2019, He saw improvement in the receiving game, which is obviously another positive for him. So I really like him as a safe RB 2 And right now he's going in the fourth round. So I think he has a ton of value in that round and I'll be smashing the draft button on that ADP all day. Next up, I've got Najee Harris at number 16. And I'm definitely not as high on Najee Harris as a lot of other people in the fantasy community. I definitely like him as a player and he has a solid situation. But I've seen some people ranking him in their top 12 running backs and I just do not think he's there yet. The positives for Najee Harris is that he's likely to just get a huge workload. We've seen the Steelers like to utilize their running backs as workhorses. We saw with Le'Veon Bell, ton of rushing attempts, ton of targets. And so Najee Harris could step in right away and get, you know, 250 plus carries in a season and that's great news for your running backs. But the issue is that the offensive line when Le'Veon was in this backfield compared to this offensive line now with Najee is so drastically different. In terms of pass blocking, this offensive line is solid, but in the run blocking game, they are pretty miserable, bottom tier in the NFL. And so there's definitely some concern with that. I think Najee Harris may be getting a ton of opportunities, but I'm just a little bit concerned that they're gonna be inefficient opportunities and so he may have a solid floor just because of that volume he's getting, but I just don't see him having this huge ceiling that other people are seeing, and so I'm not going to be drafting him at what I think his peak is without including in some of his risk, so that's why I have him here as my RB16. I honestly probably won't be having many shares of him because this is a pretty low ranking than consensus, but this is where I truly believe he should be ranked, right here at number 16. Next up, I've got DeAndre Swift here at number 15. He's a guy that I've kind of gone back and forth with this off season. Right after the season, I was super high on DeAndre Swift. And then when the news came out that the Lions were signing Jamal Williams, I kind of dropped down and was a little bit lower on him. And I'm starting to come back around. And it's really just because I look at this Lions offense and the weapons they have on this team, And really they don't have any weapons. And that's why DeAndre Swift, I think can be valuable. Even with Jamal Williams there, the Lions are going to have to force feed the ball to DeAndre Swift. And it can be in the run game or the passing game, but just straight up, he's one of the more talented weapons on this team. And so I think they're gonna just be feeding him and Hawkinson the ball all game. And the one solid part of this offense is that they do have a very solid O-line. So, you know, even though they may not be running the ball a ton because they're likely to be down in games and needing to pass, when they do run, I think it's going to be decently efficient. And DeAndre Swift is a great pass catcher. So he's basically game script proof. If they're winning and they want to pound the rock, he'll be effective. If they're losing and they need to pass to catch up, he's great in the receiving game. So I really like him here as a mid to high end RB two. I have Clyde Edwards a layer up at RB14, and I'm really expecting a bounce back year from CEH in 2021. I know he disappointed a ton of people in 2020. He was going as a first round value. People were super hyped about him going to the Chiefs, first round draft capital. They thought it was the dream fit. And if we're being honest, He just flat out busted. His production did not even come close to matching up with where he was drafted. And so I do think he left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, which is why he could be a value this year. I think he's gonna be the workhorse of this offense. Last year, we saw them bring in Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon's gone which I think is a decent sign that they really want to give Clyde a chance to take over this backfield. He's a really solid pass catcher. Even if Patrick Mahomes doesn't use checkdowns a ton, it's still a nice skill for your running back to have. And he was just so unlucky last year in the touchdown department. I mean, he was averaging like 40 touches per touchdown, which is just so low. So that has to correct at least a little bit in the right direction. I mean, that inefficiency is just not going to last. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Definitely a guy I like in the mid to late second round. All right, so now I've got Antonio Gibson here at number 13, a guy who, when he was healthy, really put together a solid year last year. I don't think people knew exactly what to expect out of him. You know, in college, he was basically primarily a pass catching back with Kenny Gainwell, you know, being the workhorse at Memphis, but he got to the NFL and he showed right away that he could carry that workhorse load. He was super effective in the run game, great in the red zone, was a big touchdown threat, didn't get a ton of work in the receiving game, which is really the only thing holding him back from making my top 12. You still have JD McKissick there, who's likely to be the top receiving back. We've heard that they wanna get Antonio Gibson more involved in the pass catching role, but I think there's a pretty solid chance that's just coach speak, and it's probably not gonna to come to fruition. But I do think it is comforting to know that if JD McKissick goes down, Antonio Gibson does have the skills to step into that role. But even without a solid receiving workload, I still feel very confident in Antonio Gibson this year. This offense is going to be much better with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Last year with Haskin, Allen, and Alex Smith, there was just no explosiveness on this offense. But now that Fitz is here, I think the defense is going to have to worry more about the passing game and there's gonna be more red zone looks for Antonio Gibson. So definitely a guy who's a borderline RB1 for next year. Now on to my top 12. At number 12, I have Cam Akers from the Rams. And he is another one of these second year running backs. I think that's four in a row with Swift, CEH, Gibson, and Akers. But he really struggled at the beginning of the year. He dealt with injuries. He was involved in basically a timeshare with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. But the last couple games of the season, he completely broke out. The Rams started using him as a complete workhorse, 20 plus carries a game and he was producing. And so I really expect that to carry over into 2021. We've seen the Rams use a workhorse before in Todd Gurley. And so even though Cam Akers is no Todd Gurley, it's comforting to know that McVeigh likes using a workhorse, which is obviously what you'd want from Akers in terms of fantasy production. And overall, this offense has just taken a huge step forward, replacing Jared Goff with Matthew Stafford. So I just really like Cam Akers this year. I think he's gonna have some solid touchdown upside. And even though he's not one of these top tier pass catchers, I think we've seen from guys like Nick Chubb and Derek Henry, if you get enough volume and efficiency on the ground, you don't really need that pass catching ability. And I'm not comparing Akers to Chubb and Henry who are top tier running back options, but you know, a lesser version of them. But I think he's definitely another one of these guys that can perform primarily with his work on the ground. All right, now at number 11, I have Joe Mixon. And before I completely break down Joe Mixon, I just wanna talk about this kind of last grouping of guys that I've talked about. So Najee Harris, Swift, CEH, Gibson, Akers, and Mixon. These are all guys who I think you could reasonably make an argument for them finishing as top 10, top eight fantasy running backs, but I just wanna make sure you're balancing their risk with their reward because even though they do have the potential to finish that high, you shouldn't be drafting them ahead of what they've shown you. So like for example, you can project some improvement for Cam Akers, you know, you can see him taking that workhorse role, but is it 100% guaranteed? It's really not. We haven't seen him do it for a full year And so there is a level of risk there. So I'm not going to be taking Cam Akers, you know, top eight in the draft because I haven't seen him put together that production for an entire season. Same with Najee Harris. You know, we can say all we want about, oh, he's going to get all these touches. But until we actually see it on the field for a whole season, it's tough for me to rank these guys as like high end RB1s. So I just want to make sure you guys are also factoring in a player's floor in with their ceiling, because it's easy to fall in love with how much potential a guy has, but you really have to kind of balance your expectations with what are also some of the lower end possibilities. But let's get into Joe Mixon, and I think he's the perfect guy to kind of segue from that point, because Joe Mixon really has everything going for him this season. I would not be surprised at all if Joe Mixon finished as a top six running back, but we've seen that kind of hype around Mixon before, and he hasn't lived up to it. So that's why I don't feel confident taking Mixon, you know, in the first round because he hasn't proven it like some of the guys ahead of him, like Chubb, Zeke, all those guys. He doesn't have the same track record, but Mixon this year, they've improved that offensive line, which has really plagued him for the last couple years. So you love to see that. And then also they cut Giovanni Bernard, who was kind of breaking in to some of his two minute drill work and also some of his targets. So with Giovanni Bernard gone, Mixon basically has a total monopoly on this backfield, which you love to see. And then also the Bengals in the draft selected Jamar Chase with the fifth overall pick, which I think is only gonna improve their passing offense, which in turn, I think leads to defenses being less focused on the run game. It makes this offense super balanced. You've got a franchise quarterback there in Joe Burrow that the defense has to key in on. So I just think that can really open things up for Joe Mixon. And I'm really high on Mixon this year. I'm totally comfortable taking him at a second round value because I'm understanding the risks. You know, he could bust like he has in past years, but I also think in the second round, you're looking at a guy who has top 10 running back potential and you're not drafting him at RB10. So he's a guy where you can see I'm weighing that risk and reward and choosing to draft him, even though I think he's a little bit riskier than some of the guys even before him and especially some of the guys after him. Now at number 10, I have Aaron Jones, and this is basically like a placeholder ranking because we just do not know what's gonna happen with the Aaron Rodgers situation. If Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay and is their quarterback in 2021, Aaron Jones moves right in to my RB5 slot. He would be below McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, and Kamara, but he would slot right in there at number five. When Aaron Rodgers is on the field, he is just a fantasy beast. He's been a top five guy the past two years. He has a ton of touchdown upside. He's crazy efficient, also gets a lot of work in the receiving game. So he really has everything you could ask for. But if Aaron Rodgers is not back, I think he definitely drops lower than this number 10 slot because even if he does see an increase in his volume, I think that touchdown upside goes away And I think that efficiency also fades away because when Aaron Rodgers is playing, teams have to be so concerned about his passing that they pay a little bit less attention on Aaron Jones. But if Rodgers is not there, I mean, Aaron Jones is the guy that the defenses are going to be keying in on, and that's not really what you want. And I know some people are concerned with A.J. Dillon, but if Aaron Rodgers is back, I have literally zero concern about A.J. Dillon. People forget how much work Jamal Williams got as the backup running back in that backfield. And so, you know, A.J. Dillon may come in and take some carries from Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones is gonna make up for that work in the receiving game because A.J. Dillon is nowhere near the pass catcher that Jamal Williams was. So I really don't care about A.J. Dillon in this backfield. However, if Rodgers does not come back, that's where I do have a little bit of an issue with A.J. Dillon because Aaron Jones is able to make up for his lack of huge volume in his touchdown upside and efficiency. But if this offense isn't as good and he's splitting carries, that's where I think you see some problems. Moving on to number nine, I have Nick Chubb, and he's basically one of the safest RB1s, I think. You just know exactly what you're gonna get from him. He's gonna be incredibly efficient on the ground. We saw him absolutely thrive in this Kevin Stefanski offense. They run this offense through the run game, which is obviously great if you're drafting a Cleveland Browns running back. And Chubb doesn't even have to get a ton of work in the receiving game. Just like Derrick Henry, he performs so well on the ground that it's enough to carry his entire production. The only reason he's not higher on this list is because I just don't think he has as high of a ceiling as some of the guys ahead of him. And that's really just because he doesn't have that receiving work. And I know some people may say, well, Derrick Henry doesn't get receiving work but you know, he's able to finish as a top three running back. But that is because Derrick Henry has a total monopoly over every touch in that Titans backfield. Whereas Nick Chubb is splitting a little bit with Kareem Hunt. And you know, it's not enough of a split where I'm concerned about Kareem Hunt in that backfield. I think they can both eat, but it just makes me a little weary of Nick Chubb ever being able to finish as a top five running back in a season. All right, at number eight, I have Austin Eckler, and I actually did a video a couple weeks ago comparing Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb because they were so close together in ADP. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. I did in-depth breakdowns on both players, but I just like Austin Eckler a little bit more because he truly has that upside. I really think he has a realistic top three running back upside. You know he's gonna be heavily involved in the receiving game. He is one of the best pass catching running backs in the NFL when he was on the field with Herbert last year, Herbert was targeting him a ton. And so with Eckler, the question really is how much work he's going to get in their run game and if he's going to get those goal line carries. And so even if he doesn't get, you know, 60% plus of the carries and he doesn't have that red zone role, I think he's still a lower end RB1, maybe high end RB2, but if he does get, you know, 60 plus percent of those carries, He gets even 50% of the red zone work. I mean, he would have unlimited potential. This is a much improved offense. You've got Justin Herbert coming back on his second year. This O-line has been completely revamped. All pro center Corey Lindsley coming in. They have an upgrade at guard. And then they drafted the consensus number two tackle in Rashawn Slater. So Austin Eckler is a guy that I will be smashing the draft button on at the end of the first round. Next up, I've got Jonathan Taylor at number seven. And he's a guy that actually has been a little bit controversial recently. I've seen people have him as high as like RB four or five. And I've also seen people have him outside their top 12 running backs. So I'm obviously a little bit more in the middle, but I'm pretty comfortable with my ranking here. I think a lot of people have been making the comparison of Jonathan Taylor to David Montgomery because they both had super explosive finishes to the season last year. And they were both lined up against some just absolutely terrible run defenses but i think that's kind of a weak argument to pick because if you look at david montgomery the reason why people are lower on david montgomery this year is that tariq cohen is back so he doesn't have that receiving upside and then they also brought in damian williams to back him up which means he isn't going to get every carry out of that backfield like he was getting with jonathan taylor i don't think his situation has changed that much And i like him for this year not because he was putting up like 26 points per game in those last five weeks i don't expect him to do that over an entire season i like him because the colts kind of showed their cards they were feeding him the ball 20 plus carries a game and so that is what i like i liked his usage more than his actual production i mean his production is great but it's not something i'm going to rely upon for like a 16 game pace it's more the usage and his touches that I was a fan of. I would expect Jonathan Taylor to actually go down in terms of his targets, because you're going from Phillip Rivers, who's like the check down God, to Carson Wentz, who actually really struggled passing to his running backs last year. But I really think his work on the ground is just gonna carry him. You do have Naheem Hines there as their number one receiving back, but I don't expect Taylor to have a ton of competition in terms of his carries. You do have Marlon Mack there. I'm really not concerned about him coming off an Achilles injury. That's basically a death sentence for a running back's career. So, you know, he may get a couple carries a game. He knows the offense, but that's going to happen on every single team. So, it's not something I'm worried about. I really think with this offensive line and how much volume Taylor's going to get in the run game, he has realistic high end RB1 value. All right, at number six, I have Saquon Barkley. And Saquon's just a guy I haven't gotten super hyped up for in 2021. I completely understand that he has the talent and potential to finish as the RB1 in 2021, but I think there are just a lot of red flags that people are just choosing to kind of ignore. He has gotten some bad luck with injuries the past two years. He had the high ankle sprain two years ago, came back super quickly, tried to play through it, struggled, and then last year tore his ACL in week one. And so I'm not saying that Saquon's injury prone, But I am saying that we don't know if he's gonna be the same running back coming back from an ACL injury. That is a brutal injury. And we're already hearing reports that he's gonna be on limited touches for the first month of the season. And that is not something you wanna hear, especially this early. You know, normally in OTAs, everyone is super optimistic. You wanna give the perception that your players are gonna be healthy for the start of the season. So if we're already hearing that Saquon Barkley is gonna be like on a snaps and touch limit, that is just something that I do not like to hear. And so I did drop him one spot from my last set of rankings, but if this kind of continues and we're hearing that, you know, he's struggling to recover, I would honestly totally fade Saquon Barkley It's just that you're gonna have to be drafting him probably with your top five picks. And he's just looking like a really risky first round pick. And if you don't hit on those first round guys, you're just gonna have a really hard time overcoming that. So Saquon Barkley is a guy that I'm just not feeling super solid with this year. I didn't even mention how that offensive line is still suspect. So there's just a lot of concerns going on here. So Saquon at number six, may be high for some people, maybe low for others, but that is where I'm at with him right now. At number five, I have Ezekiel Elliott. And this may be controversial for some people because I know a lot of you guys feel burned by his poor production in 2020. But when I'm looking at him and what he's done his entire career, the man was a solid RB1 for four years up until last year. He was producing RB1 numbers. And then last year, we all know what happened. He did not perform well. He was drafted as a top five running back And did not finish as an rb1 so if you picked him you probably had a very difficult time overcoming that to win your leagues and i understand that but we do kind of have to have some short-term memory in terms of fantasy football because he did not have a lot going for him last year in the first five games when dak was healthy zeke absolutely balled out he was playing like a top five running back he was putting up a ton of points and then dak goes down which just puts a ton of extra pressure on zeke now the teams can lock in on him They also dealt with a ton of offensive line injuries. The O-line was looking totally beat up by the end of the year. And then Zeke was also playing through injuries. So really everything that could have gone wrong for him went wrong and it showed in his poor production. But when I'm looking at Zeke's outlook for 2021, there's really no negatives that I can point to besides saying, oh, he did bad in 2020. But when you look back and break down what factors led to him performing poorly, they've basically all been corrected. You've got Dak back, this offensive line is gonna be healthy going into the year, and Zeke is obviously healthy with a full offseason. So really the only other negative I can think of is some people don't like that Tony Pollard was getting some work towards the end of the year. I'm gonna be honest, I don't really see this as a big concern. Zeke is one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. So while the Cowboys are paying him that big money, they are going to be using him as the workhorse. I really don't have any doubt about that. So Zeke is a guy that I'm gonna be buying back into, and you'll probably be able to select him as a mid to late first round pick, which I love the value there. Moving on to my top four running backs, I think this is really solidly my top four. I don't think there should be a ton of argument that these guys belong as the top four fantasy running backs picked, but at number four, I'm gonna have Alvin Kamara coming off a truly spectacular 2020 season. He was a league winner for a lot of people putting up that absolutely insane 6 touchdown game at the end of last year. The only reason he's not higher is that he does have that uncertainty at the quarterback position whereas Henry Cook and McCaffrey who are ahead of him, you know, basically are playing in the same offenses that they've succeeded in in the past. But so Kamara, he's still going to put up solid numbers. I feel solid with him if Jameis Winston becomes the quarterback. I know a lot of people are concerned that if Taysom Hill becomes the quarterback, Kamara is gonna lose a lot of his receiving upside. But I just think it's really hard to believe that Sean Payton goes into the year with Taysom Hill at quarterback and hasn't figured out a way to get Alvin Kamara involved in the receiving game. It's just not gonna happen. Sean Payton is too smart for that. But what I would be worried about for Kamara if Hill is the starter is that I think he's gonna vulture a lot of the touchdowns which is not ideal for Alvin Kamara. But I do think no matter who the quarterback is, Alvin Kamara is gonna have a big role on this team. It's gonna be him and Michael Thomas being the target monsters. So I'd feel super confident spending a early first round pick on Alvin Kamara. Now at running back three, I have Derrick Henry, who the past two years has firmly established himself as a top tier fantasy asset. The guy is truly just a monster on the ground and he's really not your prototypical top tier fantasy running back. If you look at all the guys around him, McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Barkley, Elliott, all those guys are target monsters. They score a lot of points in the receiving game, which is why they have so much upside. But Derrick Henry is able to compete with those guys with basically being not involved in the pass game at all. And so it really just goes to show how efficient Derrick Henry is on the ground. And then just also how much of a touchdown monster he is. He scored 17 rushing touchdowns last year. And that was with Ryan Tannehill putting up seven rushing touchdowns, which I don't think he's gonna put up a similar number next year. So Derrick Henry legit had 20 touchdown upside last year. He also rushed for 2,000 yards. And I know some people are concerned, you know, 2,000 yard rushers have tended to struggle the next year. I kind of think it's a little bit of a lazy argument just because you can't make the same comparison for every player. And I really think, okay, Derrick Henry rushes for 1,600 yards. Well, I'm totally fine with that. And now you bring in Julio. So Henry may lose some of his touches, which I honestly don't think is a bad thing because it turns those carries into much more efficient opportunities. There's gonna be less pressure on the run game. He's gonna have more red zone opportunities. And so Derek Henry is a guy I still like a ton, even after that Julio Jones move. And I've seen some people almost like predicting an injury for Derrick Henry just because he's had such a huge workload these past couple years. And I honestly just think it's a really bad argument. You're choosing to predict that Derrick Henry is gonna get injured, despite him giving you no evidence to support that. He's only missed two games his entire NFL career. And for a running back, that is absurd. So I think you guys just kind of have to accept that Derrick Henry is a physical freak. He is not a human. And so yeah, could he get injured? Yes every running back could get injured. It's one of the most demanding positions to play, but Derrick Henry hasn't given me any injury concerns to worry about in the past. So I'm not gonna fade him just because I think he's gotten a few too many touches. All right, let's move on to number two, where I pretty firmly have Delvin Cook as my second best running back. He really just has everything you would want in a running back. He's great on the ground. He's great in the receiving game, touchdown machine. The Vikings run their offense through him and Cook just gets an insane amount of red zone looks. So I'm totally locked in going Cook at number two. I'll probably take him there 100% of the time. And he's basically totally shed that label he had of being injury prone earlier in his career, put together back-to-back healthy seasons. So Dalvin Cook, a guy I'm super confident in this year. And now on to my number one running back. This should not be a surprise. I think he should be the consensus RB1. It's Christian McCaffrey. When he is healthy, he just has such a positional advantage over the next best running back and i honestly think if he's not the first player off the board for you you're trying to get a little bit too cute because if he stays healthy he is going to be the cornerstone of your team and he's going to carry you throughout the entire season and normally i don't like picking at the top of the draft because i feel like you kind of lose out on that second pick if you're picking at 9 10 11 12 you can likely get two stud running backs right away but i would be totally fine picking at number one this year Just because Christian McCaffrey is such an asset, he's my guy at the number one slot and I think he should be for everyone else as well. All right, that is gonna wrap it up for my top 18 running back rankings. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the content, just please make sure you leave a like and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And then also let me know your thoughts down below. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Stay tuned for my wide receiver, quarterback, and tight end rankings that I'm gonna be putting out in the next couple of days. But that's all I have for you. Thank you and see you guys tomorrow.